0: it's March the 31st. Let's read the Bible. Well, folks, we're so glad to have you with us here on the last day of March. We are on a year-long adventure from Genesis to Revelation in one year. And here on the last day of March, we have come to the first chapter of the book of Judges. Before we jump into that, let me encourage you, remind you, Be sure to go to KeepBelieving.com and download the daily reading guide. It'll tell you where we've been and where we're going. And if you are new to this whole journey, let me encourage you to go back to Facebook, YouTube, Rumble, or KeepBelieving.com. And all the videos from January, February, March, all of them are archived on those platforms. You can watch them anytime you want. Or if you'd rather listen to the audio podcast podcast. You can hear it on Spotify, Google Play, or iTunes. All of it's there, available for you twenty four seven. It's all free. We hope that you will take advantage of that. And hope you'll also share this with your friends. It's a great thing. It's a great thing for families to come together and read the Bible together. Sunday school classes, small groups, families. We hope you will take advantage of that. Now, the Book of Judges, Genesis is one thing and. Deuteronomy is one thing and Joshua is one thing, but oh boy, the book of Judges, it is something else. Judges is the answer to the question, what happened after Joshua? But it's more than that. We ought to think of it this way. Abraham is dead and Isaac is dead and Jacob is dead and Joseph is dead. They've been dead and gone for hundreds of years. Moses is dead. Now Joshua is dead. So the great leaders These early books of the Old Testament, they are dead and gone. What's going to happen to God's people when these heroic leaders step off the scene? And I am sorry to tell you, the answer to that question is not really encouraging because Judges tells us that uh, though God was faithful, the people were unfaithful. Here are five fast facts about the book of Judges. Number one, it's anonymous. We don't know who wrote it. Think maybe Samuel, but we're not sure. Number two, it covers a period of about 300 years. From basically, it picks up where Joshua ends. So it starts about 1390 BC and goes to about 1090 BC. So 300 years. Uh, it tells what happened from the time of the conquest after the death of Joshua until the rise of Israel's first king, who was, of course, Saul. In this book, We see two things together, back and forth, back and forth. The faithfulness of God and the failure of God's people. And the theme verse for this book comes not at the beginning, but at the end. And in those days, every man did that which was right in his own eyes. Now, in this book, and we're going to see it over and over again, we're going to see the cycle of judgment repeated. The people are going to disobey. That's going to lead to a period of spiritual decline, which is going to lead to a defeat. They're going to be conquered by the Canaanites or the Philistines around them. The bad guys are going to win those battles. Disobedience leads to decline, leads to defeat, leads to desperation. They cry out to God. They repent of their sins, which leads to deliverance. And Once the people are delivered by the raising up of a judge for a while, everything's going to go good. Then when the judge steps off the scene, there's going to be decline again and disobedience. So it's disobedience, decline, defeat, de- desperation, deliverance. It just goes over and over and over again. You will see that as the book, as we roll on through the book. Very simple three part outline. The reason for the judges, chapters one and two. The rule of the judges, chapters three through 16. The results of the judges chapter 17 through 21, the reason, the rule, the results from the period of the Judges. All right, let's just jump right in. Chapter one of the book of Judges. After the death of Joshua, the Israelites inquired of the Lord, who will be the first to fight for us against the Canaanites? The Lord answered, Judah is to go. I have handed the land over to him. Judah said to his brother Simeon, Come with me to my allotted territory, and let's fight against the Canaanites. I will also go up with you to your allotted territory. So Simeon went with him. When Judah attacked, the Lord handed the Canaanites and parasites over to them. They struck down 10,000 men in Bezek. They found Adonai Bezek, and Bezek fought against him and struck down the Canaanites and Perizzites. When Adonai Bezek fled, they pursued him, caught, uh, caught him, and cut off his thumbs and big toes. Adonai Bezek said, Seventy kings with their thumbs and big toes cut off used to pick up scraps under my table. God has repaid me for what I have done. They brought him to Jerusalem, and he died there. The men of Judah fought against Jerusalem, captured it, put it to the sword, and set the city on fire. Afterward, the men of Judah marched down to fight against the Canaanites who were living in the hill country, the Negev, and the Judean foothills. Judah also marched against the Canaanites who were living in Hebron. Hebron was formerly named Kiriath Arba. They struck down Shishai, Ahiman, and Talmai. From there, they marched against the residents of Debir. Debir was formerly named Kiriath Sefer. Caleb said, whoever attacks and captures Kiriath Sefer, I will give my daughter Aksa to him as a wife. So, Othniel, son of Kenas, Caleb's younger youngest brother, captured it, and Caleb gave, gave his daughter Aksa to him as his wife. When she arrived, she persuaded Othniel to ask her father for a field. As she got off her donkey, Caleb asked her, what do you want? She answered him, give me a blessing. Since you have given me land in the Negev, that's the desert, give me springs also. So, Caleb gave her both the upper and lower springs. The descendants of the Kenite. Moses' father-in-law had gone up with the men of Judah from the city of Palms to the wilderness of Judah, which was in the Negev of Arad. They went to live among the people. Judah went with his brother Simeon, struck the Canaanites who were living in Zephath, and completely destroyed the town. So they named the town Hormah. Judah captured Gaza and its territory, Ascalon and its territory, and Ekron and its territory. The Lord was with Judah and enabled them to take possession of the hill country. But they could not drive out the people who were living in the plain because those people had iron chariots. Judah gave Hebron to Caleb, just as Moses had promised. Then Caleb drove out the three sons of Anak who lived there. At the same time, the Benjaminites did not drive out the Jebusites, who were living in Jerusalem. The Jebusites have lived among the Benjamites in Jerusalem to this day. The house of Joseph also attacked Bethel and the Lord was with him. They sent spies to Bethel. The town was formerly called Luz. The spies saw a man coming out of town and said to him, please show us how how to get into the town and we will show you kindness. When he showed them the way into the town, they put the town to the sword, but released the man and his entire family. Then the man went to the land of the Hittites built a town and named it Luz, that is its name still today. At that time, Manasseh failed to take possession of Bethshean and Ta'anak and the surrounding villages, or the residents of Dor, Iblaim, and Megiddo and their surrounding villages. The Canaanites were determined to stay in this land. When Israel became stronger, they made the Canaanites serve as forced labor, but never drove them out completely. At that time, Ephraim failed to drive out the Canaanites who were living in Gezer, so that the Canaanites have lived among them in Gezer. Zemulon failed to drive out the residents of Kitron or the residents of Nahalah, so the Canaanites lived among them and served as forced labor. Asher failed to drive out the residents of Akko or of Sidon or Ah Ahalab or Achzib or Helba, Aphek or Rehab. The Asherites lived among the Canaanites who were living in the land because they failed to drive them out. Naphtali did not drive out the residents of Beth Shemesh or the residents of Beth Anath. They lived among the Canaanites who were living in the land, but the residents of Beth Shemesh and Beth Anath lived, served as their forced, forced labor. The Amorites forced the Danites into the hill country and did not allow them to go down into the valley. The Amorites were determined to stay in Har Haris, Ajalon, and Shach. Beam. When the house of Joseph got the upper hand, the Amorites were made to serve as forced labor. The territory of the Amorites extended from the Scorpion's ascent, that is, from Selah upward. Some of this, not all of it, but some of this we'd already heard in the book of Joshua. But the additional detail that's being brought out here in the book of Judges is that God gave them the land? The land was divided up for the tribes, and basically Joshua said, Go get them, boys. Well, some of them did, and some of them didn't. There was a lot of, there was the victory, but there was also a lot of defeat. Now, watch as this pattern of sin and judgment begins to develop in Judges chapter 2. The angel of the Lord went up from Gilgal to Bochim and said, I brought you out of Egypt and led you into the land I had promised to your ancestors. I also said, I will never break my covenant with you. You are not to make a covenant with the inhabitants of this land. You are to tear down their altars. But you have not obeyed me. What have you done? Therefore, I now say, I will not drive out these people before you. They will be thorns in your sides and their gods will be a trap for you. When the angel of the Lord had spoken these words to all the Israelites, the people wept loudly. So they named that land Bochim and offered sacrifices there to the Lord. Previously, when Joshua had sent the people away, the Israelites had gone to take possession of the land, each to his own inheritance. The people worshipped the Lord throughout Joshua's lifetime and during the lifetimes of the elders who outlived Joshua. They had seen all the Lord's great works he had done for Israel. Joshua, son of Nun, the servant of the Lord, died at the age of 110. They buried him in the territory of his inheritance in Timnath-Herez in the hill country of Ephraim, North of Mount Gaash, that whole generation was also gathered to their ancestors. After them, another generation rose up. Pay attention now. After them, another generation rose up who did not know the Lord or the works he had done for Israel. The Israelites did what was evil in the Lord's sight. They worshiped the Baals and abandoned the Lord, the God of their ancestors, who brought them out of Egypt. They followed other gods from the surrounding peoples and bowed down to them. They angered the Lord, for they abandoned him and worshipped Baal and Ashtoreth. The Lord's anger burned against Israel, and he handed them over to marauders who raided them. He sold them to the enemies around them, and they could no longer resist their enemies. Whenever the Israelites went out, the Lord was against them and brought disaster on them, just as he had promised and sworn to them. So they suffered greatly. The Lord raised up judges who saved them from the power of their marauders, but they did not listen to their judges. Instead, they prostituted themselves with other gods bowing down to them. They quickly turned away They quickly turned from the way of their ancestors who had walked in obedience to the Lord's commands. They did not do as their ancestors did. Whenever the Lord raised up a judge for the Israelites, the Lord was with him and saved the people from the power of their enemies while the judge was alive. The Lord was moved to pity whenever they groaned because of those who were oppressing and afflicting them. Whenever the judge died, the Israelites would act even more corruptly than their ancestors following other gods, to serve them and, and bow and worship to them. They did not turn from their evil practices or their obstinate ways. The Lord's anger burned against Israel, and he declared, because this nation has violated my covenant that I made with their ancestors and disobeyed me, I will no longer drive out before than any of the nations Joshua left when he died. I did this to test Israel, and to see whether or not they would keep the Lord's way by walking in it as their ancestors had. The Lord left these nations and did not drive them out immediately. He did not hand them over to Joshua. Wow. That chapter, chapter two is like this whole book. If you want the Reader's Digest version of Judges, read chapter two again. But remember, the cycle of disobedience is the cycle of judgment. Disobedience, decline, defeat, desperation, deliverance. Disobedience, decline, defeat, desperation, deliverance. Repeated over and over and over again. The faithfulness of God and the failure of God's people. Chapter 3. Now, we're going to get into the rule of the judges. These are the nations the Lord left in order to test all those in Israel who had experienced none of the wars in Canaan. In other words, the next generations come along. This was to teach the future generations of the Israelites how to fight in battle, especially those who had not fought before. These nations included the five rulers of the Philistines and all the Canaanites, the Sidonians and the Hivites who lived in the Lebanese mountains from Mount Baal-Hermon as far as the entrance to Hamath. The Lord left them to test Israel to determine if they would keep the Lord's commands as he had given their ancestors through Moses. But they settled among the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites, Hivites, and Jebusites. The Israelites took their daughters as wives for themselves and gave their daughters to their sons and worshiped their gods. It's clear. Joshua warned them, you're not to associate with them. You're not to intermarry. They're doing exactly what they were told not to do. Here we go. The Israelites, verse 7, did what was evil in the Lord's sight. They forgot the Lord their God and worshipped the Baals and the Asherahs. The Lord's anger burned against Israel, and he sold them to King Kushan Rishathaim of Aram Naharaim. And the Israelites served him eight years. The Israelites cried out to the Lord, so the Lord raised up Othniel, son of Kenaz. Caleb's youngest brother, as a deliverer to save the Israelites. The Spirit of the Lord came on him, and he judged Israel. Othniel went out to battle, and the Lord handed over King Cushan Rishathahim of Aram to him, so that Othniel overpowered him. Then the land had peace for forty years, and Othniel, son of Kenaz, died. The Israelites again did what was evil in the Lord's sight. He gave King Eglon of Moab power over Israel because they had done what was evil in the Lord's sight. After Eglon convinced the Ammonites and the Amalekites to join forces with him, he attacked and defeated Israel and took possession of the city of Palms. The Israelites served King Eglon of Moab 18 years. Then the Israelites cried out to the Lord and he raised up Ehud, son of Girah a left-handed Benjaminite, as a deliverer for them. The Israelites sent him with the tribute for King Eglon of Moab. Ehud made himself a double-edged sword, 18 inches long. He strapped it to his right thigh under his clothes and brought the tribute to King Eglon of Moab, who was an extremely fat man. When Ehud had finished presenting the tribute, he dismissed the people who had carried it. At the carved images near Gilgal, he returned and said, King Eglon, I have a secret message for you. The king said, silence, and all his attendants left him. Then Ehud approached him while he was sitting alone in his upstairs room where it was cool. Ehud said, I have a message from God for you. And the king stood up from his throne. Ehud reached with his left hand, took the sword from his right thigh and plunged it into Eglon's belly. Even the handle went in after the blade, and Eglon's fat closed in over it, so that Ehud did not withdraw the sword from his belly, and the waste came out. Ehud escaped by way of the porch, closing and locking the doors of the upstairs room behind him. Ehud was gone when Eglon's servants came in. They looked and found the doors of the upstairs room locked and thought he was relieving himself in the cool room. The servants waited until they became embarrassed and saw that he had still not opened the doors of the upstairs room, so they took the key and opened the doors, and there was their lord lying dead on the floor. Ehud escaped. While the servants waited, he passed the Jordan near the carved images and reached Syrah. After he arrived, he sounded the ram's horn throughout the hill country of Ephraim. The Israelites came down with him from the hill country, and he became their leader. He told them, follow me, because the Lord has handed over your enemies, the Moabites, to you. So they followed him captured the fords of the Jordan leading to Moab and did not allow anyone to cross over. At that time, they struck down about 10,000 Moabites, all stout and able-bodied men. Not one of them escaped. Moab became subject to Israel that day, and the land had peace for 80 years. After Ehud, Shamgar, son of Anath, became judge. He also delivered Israel, striking down 600 Philistines with a cattle prod. These are great stories. These are great stories. Ehud, the left-handed judge, my kind of guy right there. It's a great story, but let us, let us not digress too far here. The cycle of judgment, disobedience, decline, defeat, desperation, deliverance, and around and around and around. Oh, we pray, we, we thank God for his faithfulness and we pray that God's faithfulness may produce in us such gratitude and love that we would be faithful to the Lord. Let us not make the stupid mistake of saying what happened to the people of God could not happen to us. Prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. True of me, true of you. So, Lord, make us faithful to serve you, be faithful to you in big things and small things today. Give all honor and glory to you in Jesus name. Amen. Go out and have a great day, folks. Lots more to come in the book of Judges. See you back here tomorrow.